2: Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fees, 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement. Due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. KCBS Radio, original podcasts.
0: From KCBS Radio at San Francisco, I'm Valerie Samara. this is Bay Current. It's been a tragic and harrowing
3: week this year where there were two avalanches in two days at two adjoining ski areas, the latest at Alpine Meadows yesterday, the deadly slide at Palisades Tahoe Wednesday. Avalanches inside the boundaries of commercial ski areas are very rare, and to have them back-to-back like this is rarer still.
0: The avalanches followed a powerful winter storm in the region. However, experts say they didn't expect anything like this within resort bounds. But can they be predicted? And is there any way to mitigate them? On today's Ask an Expert, KCBS Radio's Nikki Bedoro and Eric Thomas spoke with Dr. Ethan Green, professor of avalanche science and director of the Colorado Avalanche Information Center at Colorado Mountain College.
3: Okay, so let's talk about avalanches. Um, some people may say, well, if it snows a lot, the probability of it happening is higher. But are avalanches something that can be easily predicted?
4: Well, um, this is a really complicated question, of course, and it really depends on what sort of prediction you're trying to make. Um, We've made a huge amount of progress over the last 50 years or so in understanding avalanches, how they happen, and uh, predicting uh, their events. But uh, these predictions are still uh, relatively general in a lot of ways. Um, How you approach making specific predictions for a slope and how you make predictions over wide areas can range uh, quite a bit. And still, when we're uh, making predictions uh, for individual slopes, like the work that you would do at a ski area, um, you're uh, making those predictions and then testing them with uh, some sort of uh, active mitigation approach, uh, often uh, explosives uh, in the ski area.
2: So what I'm hearing from you is part of this is still quite a bit of an art as well as a science.
4: Well, um, you know, I don't really know if there's a a, a huge line between art and science necessarily. Uh, But, yes, there's a lot of science that goes into uh, avalanche forecasting and hazard mitigation, and uh, it still relies quite a bit on uh, individual experience and people's um, history with particular slopes and particular snow climates.
3: Okay, so kind of walk us through. I own a ski resort. What kind of signs am I looking for? What kind of conditions usually precede avalanches on a day by day basis because I'm assuming ski resorts have to make this decision on a day by day basis?
4: Yeah, absolutely. They're making uh, decisions on a day by day basis, but the process that they're going through is not uh run day by day. It is a uh season long and and often a multi-year process. Um, So if you're starting from scratch, you're going to be uh, going through the area that you want to turn into a ski area or the area you're going to take over and do uh, some mapping, looking at where avalanches are capable of happening, because not all terrain features can produce avalanches. Uh, Then you're going to start looking at the type of snow that that you have uh, weather patterns that produce snowfall, that produce wind drifting. And then as you get um, into a particular operating season, uh, we're not just starting to deal with avalanches on a particular day, except for the day that the first snowflakes start to fall. And then from that day on, we're tracking what's happening in the snow, um, and we're going out onto the hillside to evaluate um, the snow stability and take action uh, when we need to. That all leads up to the first day where you can start to get uh, your customers into that area. And then, again, you're going to be closing that area and taking action and reopening it throughout the whole operating season.
2: When you say take action uh, or or mitigation, what are you talking about? What steps would they take?
4: Well, uh, again, there's a variety of things that people can do, but the main idea is to mechanically impact the snow. So um, any... The snowpack um, in these seasonal areas, these places where we have snow that builds up throughout the year and then melts off uh, in the spring, um, it's a layered structure. You can think about it as if you cut through the cross section of a tree and you see all the rings that form each year. The snowpack is the same way, um, but those rings are formed or those layers are formed by uh, weather events. Every snowstorm, every windstorm, every calm period where we um, say have high pressure and clear skies, um, you know, for for weeks. So avalanches are going to break at the interfaces of these layers. And so what the avalanche workers in this area are doing is they're watching those layers form, they're tracking um, their properties and where they're forming in the in the in the terrain, and then going in and breaking them up. That could be um, using some sort of uh, mechanical device that you run off of a snowcat. It could be Uh, just walking through the area in your ski boots or on your skis. Or it could be using some sort of explosive, solid explosive, gas explosive uh, to release uh, avalanches when you've moved everything that you care about out of the way.
3: Now, you say that. Is there something that maybe the people at the resort cannot account for? And by that, I mean the path, let's say, skiers or snowboarders take on the mountain throughout the day that could I guess, possibly um, uncover one of these layers that could lead to an avalanche. Can that happen? (sighs)
4: Um, (laughs) Well, things, things can happen during the day. And so, uh, People are typically out there, um, you know, while the ski area, say, is open, um, evaluating what's happening, see if there's any changes that they need to account for, and they certainly can close the area and then either, uh, you know, let it sit until they feel like they can take action or take action, you know, right away. Um, Most of those sorts of changes aren't going to be leading to really big avalanches. They might be kind of smaller slides, but – But if they do see something like that, they're certainly capable of uh, uh, changing course, um, so to speak. I hope that answers your question. Yeah,
3: No, it does. Yeah, I was just wondering, you know, obviously as the day changes, could the decision to keep certain runs open or not change because of the path that maybe skiers want to take over and over again?
4: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, so like for for what I do, we do this for uh, transportation systems. Um, And so, you know, we don't have the luxury of, having everybody go home at the end of the day. We're running 24 hours a day, and all the time we're taking a look at what's happening in the areas that we're monitoring and deciding whether we need to close something, take action, and reopen it. And that could happen at any point during the day. We'll
0: be right back here on KCBS Radio's Bay Current.
3: Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced.
4: Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game.
2: Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. ctmobile.com. I don't ski, so I'm going to admit that up front. Uh, and the idea of uh, an avalanche or being caught in one is not a pleasant thought for me. What do you do if you are, you know, if you see an avalanche coming your way? Well, the,
4: um, I agree, like, <laughs> these, are, uh, th- these are scary events in, in a lot of cases. I mean, avalanches come in all shapes and sizes, um, and so the smaller ones may not be actually that scary. But in general, avalanches, you know, they're a natural hazard. It's a, it's a destructive event. Um, the most important thing to do is to try to stay out of them, and there's a lot that we can do before we get involved in avalanches, and, of course, we can talk about that. So, But that's really where you should put your effort. Um, if you do get caught in an avalanche, we know what kills you is sustaining trauma um, in the debris flow or getting buried in the debris. So you want to get out of the debris flow if you can. If you can't, you want to stay on top.
3: Kind of, I've heard the, the term swim with the avalanche, try to stay on top. But let's say you try your best to swim or stay on top of it and you don't. I mean, I'm assuming every second counts. So what should people keep in mind if, God forbid, they are actually caught up and, and, and buried under the snow?
4: Well, again, I'd like to sort of focus on what happens before you uh, you get into this, uh, you know, unfortunate and uh, potentially, uh, you know, catastrophic situation. And that is uh, being searchable, having some Way that people around you uh, can uh, find you if you are buried under the snow, and and the way that we approach this is a little bit different from a ski area perspective uh, or a backcountry perspective. Um, most of the people that die in avalanches in the United States die in backcountry recreation, so they're they're not at an operating ski area. They're on. They're out in the wilderness, they're on big mountains, out in the backcountry, and what people there need to do is have rescue equipment. So an avalanche rescue transceiver is a small radio device um, that we all turn on in the morning and transmit a signal all day long, and if somebody gets caught in an avalanche, the remaining people can turn their unit on to receive, pick up that signal, and pinpoint that person under the snow getting them out of the snow uh, is really time-consuming because avalanche debris is really dense. It's not like the fluffy snow that we're all used to uh, on our sidewalks and driveways. Um, So we carry um, 10-foot poles. They collapse, but you extend them out in this this case to try to pinpoint exactly where that person is, and then a shovel so we can dig them out.
2: So you mentioned that most of these big av- avalanches, as you said, happen in the backcountry. So how unusual is it for it to happen, you know, at the ski resort that is open and they've looked at the, the conditions and decided everything's fine?
4: Uh, it's not that common. It's 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 unusual. Um, you, you know, we talked a little bit about just the progression of uh, our knowledge of avalanches and how we deal with them. And uh, the ski industry throughout the the world and and in the United States has done a really good job of uh, figuring out how to uh, address this hazard and keep it at a low enough level um, that we don't see very many people get caught and hurt in avalanches inside ski areas. Um, That doesn't mean that we're not seeing avalanches in the ski areas, but the ski patrol is releasing them Uh, when those areas are closed, like you're talking about, so that nobody's in harm's way. Um, Even though we've gotten pretty good at this and our safety record um, is pretty good, we are talking about a natural hazard, so we can't completely remove that hazard. Anytime that we have snow piled up on a steep slope, there is a potential for avalanches. What the ski patrols and avalanche workers are doing is uh, trying to make sure that the probability of those avalanches is is low, and that the size of those avalanches are small. Um, and again, they're quite good at that.
3: How does climate change factor into all of this? Uh, the rate of avalanches, the type of snow, I guess, that falls and could lead to avalanches?
4: Well, it's a complicated question, of course, uh, as most things with climate change. And I think what we can safely say is that climate change is impacting Uh, The the avalanche cycles that we're seeing across the western United States, but we don't know exactly how and or or we can't connect the dots completely and a lot of that is because snow is a really dynamic material we're dealing with it um, when we have it in all three phases, so we have if you go out in the snowpack oftentimes you'll have liquid water, uh, solid ice, and water vapor, and that means that that material can change really quickly when uh, temperature temperatures change. So we know that these big weather events are changing the avalanche cycles, but whether that leads us into a more stable situation with uh, fewer avalanches or a more unstable situation with more avalanches, it really depends on how these weather events come through each year. Not just the size of the events, but the order of the events.
0: Bay Current is a production of KCBS Radio. I'm Valerie Savera. This episode was produced by KCBS Radio's Katie O'Donnell. For more Bay Area stories, subscribe to Bay Current on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts.